0: everybody, welcome to the Orchard Podcast, where we help you make a positive and sustainable impact for Christ in the places of greatest need in our world. My name is Brian, and I'm the executive pastor here at Orchard Africa, and I'm here with Michelle, our CEO, and Mike, our senior pastor. And today we are starting a three-part podcast series focused in on one of the most famous passages in the Old Testament. It's Micah 6.8. And it's a passage that you've probably heard it before. It says, do justice, love mercy, walk humbly with our God. And so we're going to each week take a different part of that passage and unpack it, um, apply it, and think through how does that apply to our lives. So I wonder, uh, this passage, Micah 6, 8, it's on stickers today, water bottles. I think it may be the most tattooed verse yep. on people's bodies right now. Probably. So why, why do we think it is such a memorable and um, loved
1: passage? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think it's because it reflects God's character. We have three sentences that really in my mind just sums up who God is.
2: It's important for me because God is addressing every part of our being. Um, our outward actions, our inward thoughts, and then our upward uh, relationship with Him. Uh, the, the Scripture says, uh, "He has told you a man what is good, and what the Lord requires of you is to do justly." That's our outward actions; it affects our, our, our what we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then He says to love mercy. That speaks about our inward affections. And then walk humbly. That reflects our dependence our relationship our faith in God and so in one small verse God has covered every part of our inward outward and upward being before him and before others yeah there's so much in that
0: it's such a tightly packed little uh, passage and each word has its own Mm. weighty significance and Mm. so over the course of the next few episodes we're going to kind of dig into those weighty words and See what they mean for us. Yeah, yeah.
1: They, they they really are very um, meaningful to our walk with Christ.
0: So we're going to start with do justice. That's the first one that we're uh, going to address. And when when we think of justice, often we think of the the justice system, the Supreme Court justices, the yeah. Department of Justice. We think about it in a a legal setting mm-hmm. or a governmental setting, and but I think it started as a conversation that was theological when you go all the way back thousands of years to when Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 were written. In fact, I found this great quote uh, from Mike Kelly in from Biblica, and he says this about justice. Uh, I think it'll help us as we're getting the conversation started. He says, we do, we do not engage in justice simply because we want to be nice or acceptable people. Nor are we interested in justice because to be interested in justice is somehow in vogue uh, in some corners of the world. We engage in justice as those who reflect the very good uh, of creation, the very God of good creation, goodness spoken to humanity and indeed all things. To be truly human then is to do justice. In so doing, we reflect our Creator. Mm-hmm.
1: Right, so we're back to that, um, the character of God, of who God is by doing justice. Um, But if we're going to be studying uh, these scriptures in Micah, perhaps we should have a setting. What is the setting of the book of Micah? And, you know, we've all just come out of this uh, conversation about Isaiah 58, and uh, we really unpacked that a few episodes ago. But Micah is very much... In the same vein as Isaiah.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting when you study Micah and Isaiah, you find that they were spoken at the same time. So the prophets, their time overlapped. And Isaiah spoke to sort of the elites of society, the people who, uh, maybe the kings and the rulers and those who were in charge. But Micah was for the everyday person, mm. he spoke in the suburbs.
1: <clears throat> yeah.
0: And so it was different audience, but same, same message.
1: Right, right.
2: And the, 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 the context is so similar. It's uh, God mirroring, or the prophet mirroring a conversation between God and his people. And um, in both, both instances, the people are trying to tell God all they've done to impress him. And God is saying, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> There's something that you're not quite getting here. Yeah. And it's it's interesting just to see the the flow of what people think and what God thinks and mm. what people uh, believe is right and what God says is good and necessary. Right,
1: right. and the, yeah. the the scriptures that lead up to uh, that beautiful one in uh, uh, Micah six verse eight is exactly that. Right. It, it it's so funny and
2: beautiful. Well, um, let's read it. It says in verse 6, the people are saying, with what shall I come? Or God is saying, this is what the people are saying. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings or with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with a thousand rams or ten thousand rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? And then God responds, He has shown you, O oh man, what is good, mm-hmm. and what does the Lord require, but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God.
1: Yeah, it, it just cracks me up, you know. I think God has got such a sense of humour, and I see it in in those verses of, well, let me give you ten thousand rivers of oil, God, that'll make me righteous certainly, or How about my firstborn, you know? uh, That kid is really uh, not being good this week. I'll give you my firstborn. It kind of sounds like he's playing the
0: martyr. Like, (laughs) Uh, yeah, yeah, like, well, fine, God. What's going to please you? Fine. I'll never. I'll never go out of the house again. <laughs> I'll never eat candy ever again. You know, like yeah. your kids when they're upset. There. Too...
1: Yeah. Just this extreme, <laughs> this hyperbole mm. that mm. God yeah. is using to get our attention. Mm. Uh, and I wonder how we often we do that in life today, where. Um, we do things to impress God. You know, God, I will pray for an hour every day. Right. And then this thing that I want will happen, or then I'll be mm-hmm. so holy and righteous. And we, we you can know. I make a deal. Yes, mm. uh, we do. We, we bargain with God for our righteousness. Uh, and what does God say? Oh, gosh. <laughs> You're missing the point here. How many times here. have I told I mean, you?
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah, don't you know this? Yeah. What's Bye wrong now. with you? <laughs> w- <laughs> weren't you listening? <laughs> yes, um, so exactly
1: like a, you know, a parent with a child. How many times have I told <laughs> you to take your elbows off the table when you eat or something? Yeah.
2: You know? But I mean, the whole deal really is uh, us and the people here in this context have this uh, driving motivation to well how can we impress god or how can we win god's favor or what can we do just to get him off our backs for a while just Mm. to appease him and a lot of times when we do those things the religious things ritualistic practices like well i'm going to pray for an hour, oh god i'm going to fast for three days and Mm. put you on the spot because when i'm finished fasting then mm, (laughs) well then i'm so righteous
1: and holy that i must deserve this thing Mm. And yeah. so
2: it, the, the whole focus is extravagant religious practices, no matter how spiritual they might sound. Uh, it's not what God is looking. God is not looking to be appeased. Mm. Um, God is not trying to get us to win his favor. What God is wanting us to do is understand what he requires from our heart.
1: Mm.
2: And that's hard because it's a lot easier to do something outward than to really, really come to a place where, God, I need to change my heart. Yeah. There's I something th- deep inside me that needs to be different.
1: Right. Right, because we started off by saying that those three scriptures are tattooed everywhere Uh because it reflects God's character, it's who He is. And if we create it in His image, that's who God wants us to be. And so it's about our inner being, it's about who we are, who our whole soul is. Mm. And that's so much more difficult than um, praying for an hour. Uh So what is justice then? jump into those three things and this week we we talking about justice what what is justice Mm, what mm. is it really Mm, mm.
0: yeah i think going from the outward to the inward i think it does start an inward place it Mm -hmm. starts with understanding first who is god and how is god a god of justice and then how does how do we reflect that how do we be like god and when we look at god we we see one who perfectly models what is right, mm. perfectly models right relationship. And so that, that's our starting point.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, God is a God of justice. If we think about justice, you think about God. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Old Testament, especially, is full of examples of God hearing the cry of people who are the victims of injustice. Yes. Um,
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, I think about uh, the, the very first act of injustice, which is when Cain uh, killed Abel. Mm. And God said, the blood of your brother is crying out to me. We hear that God uh, not only hears and sees injustice, but he, he's offended by it. Mm. It's mm. so contrary to who he is because God mm. is just. Mm. And when mankind created in his image is unjust, then God is offended by it. Mm. It's, he hears those cries.
2: Yeah, and I mean, in our day, there are masses and masses of people all over the world that are uh, victims of injustice. We think of a mass of people, again, back in the Old Testament who were victims of injustice, mm. the people of Israel, in slavery, in Egypt. They, there was a time when they were highly favored by the Egyptians and suddenly that turned around to where they were benefiting the Egyptians and at, at at a cost to to their freedom mm. and their right to justice, and God says, "I heard the cry mm-hmm. of my people." Mm-hmm.
1: Right, God cannot and ignore responded. injustice. It it is he just doesn't ignore injustice. Mm-hmm. It's it's important mm-hmm. to him. Mm-hmm. You know, there's the scripture that I uh, I'm going to read. But when we think about uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, we think of Unrighteousness. We think of people who were uh, offending God in a different way. Mm. But in Ezekiel, we read, which I find very interesting. Mm. I'm going to read it from Ezekiel 16. Now, this was the sin of your sister Sodom. And so everybody stop. And what do you think is the mm. sin of the sister of Sodom? Yeah. Here it is. She and her daughters were arrogant. They were overfed and unconcerned. They did not help the poor and the needy. They were haughty and did detestable things before me. Therefore, I did away with them, as you have seen.
2: Mm, ouch. Th- mm. There's
1: this injustice. It's not you first think of. No. They were arrogant and overfed and unconcerned, and they didn't help the poor and the needy. Mm. That there is the injustice. The injustice is not that they had a lot. It is that they didn't mm. care to share that or to help the Mm. poor and the needy. And God does not like injustice. Something about Mm. that act offends him. Mm. And he hears the cry of those who are being treated unjustly.
0: We see thousands of years later, the same God speaking the same kind of uh, care for the vulnerable. And we see James 5 says, Look, the wages you failed to pay the workmen who mowed your field are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. And then we look in Jesus. We see that Jesus saw injustice. This is a perfect picture of who yeah. God is. You want to know who God is. You want to see God's character. You're going to look at Jesus and see that picture in John 5, when the man who for 38 years was uh, in need and suffering at the pool of Bethesda and everyone was walking by and knowing doing anything. And then uh, Jesus sees him. Yes. And and does something about it. He sees the injustice, and so from from Cain and Abel to Jesus to today, yes. mm. God sees. And I think then He invites us as the body of Christ to see, like Jesus saw, to see the injustice in.
1: Right. And then, how do we respond? What is our? We've we've said that God uh, is offended by injustice, and we're talking about the scripture that says do justice, Mm. not just know about it, Mm. talk about it, debate it. Mm -hmm. God says, do justice. So how do we as a church do justice? How do we as mission agencies do justice? How do we as somebody just interested in the vulnerable, Mm. how do we do justice? Mm. What does that look like uh, practically? There's two
0: sides to the, I think, the coin on this or the, the story. There's a retributive justice where it's, we speak out against justice. Part of doing justice is seeing it and mm. speaking out against it and saying it's not okay. But we can't stop it just talking about it. We can't stop it just lip service. Mm. Because the other side of biblical justice is this reparative yeah. mm. justice as well, this mm. restorative, restorative justice as well, yeah. which mm. requires us to put that into put our words into action as mm. well. Yeah. And understanding as the church and as followers of Christ how we are a part of that restorative, uh, repairable, you know, repairing justice.
1: Yeah, Yeah. I I agree. For us as,
2: as individuals, as believers, and I mean this expands through all those categories that you mentioned, but we have to start with us. I have to start with me. And for me to do justly is to start living intentionally with a sense of what is right and what is wrong. And to do justice means that I... what is right and I speak up for what is right and I defend those who have no voice. Um, One of the most moving experiences I can remember having is we we had a, a, a mission team visit one of the churches in a village community and right at the end of the service the pastor's wife got up to say farewell and she said these words, when you go back to where you are from remember us Because you can speak where we cannot speak. And to me, that's part of doing justice. I can do that. Each one of us can do that. We can speak for those who have no voice.
1: Right. So whatever platform we have, uh, whether it's a small platform and around our family, or whether it's a large platform, I believe God expects us to use that platform to speak out about injustice Mm. and to speak for justice. Mm.
0: Mm. One of the simple ways to do that is if you're on a mission team, you're leading a mission team, is to have people support you in your trip by funding you and then you telling that story. And uh, Mm -hmm. I was just with a mission team uh, not but a week ago and there was 10 people around the table, but each person around the table represented 30 or 40 other people who were supporting them, helping them to go, which meant they were telling that story For not, it wasn't just in the ten; it was now four hundred people, and so it's simply by telling that story, even just on a mission trip, and inviting people to and it seems
1: seems so simple, but it's it's wonderful when that person goes back and tells the story, as the pastor's wife said, "Can you speak on Mm. our behalf?" Mm. Um, That is part of doing justice, speaking Mm. out Mm. on on behalf of others. Absolutely using our voice
2: and as you said all of us have a platform some have a big platform some Mm. have a small platform Mm. but somebody is in earshot of our voice right Mm -hmm.
1: and i mean just in everyday uh, uh, living i think right now of how bullying is such a big thing amongst uh, teenagers in particular where you hear about so many people that are uh, struggling because their children are being bullied on social media and I think when it comes to bullying, it's easy to just walk past because I'm not being bullied, so I'm going to ignore it. Mm. But if enough people stand up to the bullying,
0: mm.
1: you know, bullies are cowards. Mm-hmm. Mm. The minute enough people stand up and say that is not okay, the the bullying will stop or yeah. at least it will recede. And so there's ways if in, in our everyday life that we can uh, do justice without uh, needing to get involved in some huge big uh, rally or whatever and there's nothing wrong with those. I'm just saying there's little ways that we can do justice every day. Every day,
2: Mm. (coughs) excuse me. The the second part of of doing justice is that we actually defend those who are suffering in circumstances that are unjust, situations Mm. where there is injustice. Uh, Defend. Uh, Scripture says God is a defender of the week and so we should not be afraid and we should not be reluctant to come to the defense like you said somebody being bullied but what about others who are suffering all kinds of uh, unjust circumstances Mm. what are we doing to defend them and how do we defend them Mm. Um, we should speak up and not just think that well this is somebody else's responsibility well the government has a program or there's a shelter somewhere, or uh, there's a protest that's speaking up for their rights. What mm. about me? What am I doing to defend those who are suffering right, injustice? Right.
1: And yeah, I think what comes to mind uh, is, is this whole idea of uh, uh, human slavery. That is such a big issue right now. Uh, how do we mm. stand up and defend those people who are in captivity? I mean, talk about injustice being stolen from their home, stolen from their way of life and uh, abused in awful ways. Mm. Um, How do we stand up and defend that? Mm. Or or even um, uh, I I think of uh, refugees How do we defend Mm. people who have lost their homes and have got nowhere? What is our role in justice Mm -hmm. over there? And we can all on a very uh, uh, personal basis get involved over there by providing.
0: One of the ways that we can do that is through collaborative relationships. and we, We can't go to every place in the world where there's great need. We can't go where there's um, slavery in every part of Mm -hmm. the world. But we do know that there are people fighting this fight and to let them know they don't fight that fight alone. Or even refugees uh, here in our own local communities. There's organizations that are working to provide care and support and some families inviting them in. And so Mm -hmm. we don't always have to do it all by ourselves individually that there's collaborative relationships and there's opportunities for us to, to do this together. And so to seek those out, I think mm-hmm. that's a place that we can start as the church <laughs> to find those organizations in your local community around the world, right. find the partners who are the experts in that area and walk alongside of them. And then the same in our in right. our daily life, yeah, in our own families.
1: Absolutely.
2: So then the thir- third idea of doing justice is to understand that justice also involves development. Uh, We've spoken previously about relief and um, reconstruction and development. Development is a part of doing justice. We don't just provide relief, we don't just give handouts, we don't just come (coughs) and meet the immediate need of somebody, but we actually help them and develop them so that they can help themselves and become sustainable, uh, self-sustaining in some way. And again, that's something we can all do. You know, it's the old saying of uh, giving a man a fish or or Mm. teaching him to fish, and then giving him a rod to catch fish. Mm. Mm. Um, So, again, I think often we, we appease ourselves and it helps us to feel better if we just give something. But it takes a little bit of more effort and intentionality to us, for us to get involved in the life of somebody else, to develop them.
1: Right. And I think um, about our, uh, our feeding projects, for example, uh, giving to a child that is hungry is justice. It's the just thing to do. You do not turn away from a child who is hungry. Mm. But how do you teach that community to grow their own food? That's development. Right. And uh, when we started off with our agricultural program, it, it was daunting. It was like, this is huge. Um, But over the years, we've seen how more and more communities and individuals are embracing this idea of, I can grow my own food. Mm -hmm. Uh, I can, in some way, provide for my family. And so learning the skill uh, and teaching people that skill and being willing to invest in the teaching of that skill Mm is justice Mm. and uh, you know what comes to mind and uh, anybody who wants to go onto our social media platform on instagram or something i think it was yesterday that we posted a picture of one of our pastors with the biggest cabbage i've ever seen in my entire (laughs) life
0: award-winning i think.
1: i mean this thing is bigger than a soccer ball it's huge (laughs) it's (laughs) It's yeah. i'm sure if he had to enter that into an agricultural show he would win he'd win and that was grown in a tiny little area which originally was literally uh, sea sand. That community Mm -hmm. is shacks on the beach. And in learning how to change that around and how to uh, produce good soil that can produce good food, uh, that cabbage is going to feed his family for who knows how long. (laughs) It seems like it'll go on forever. It's Mm -hmm. so big. but that is justice in action, where not only am I willing to give you food to start off with, but I'm going to teach you how to grow your own food. Yeah. It, it uh, involves dignity absolutely. and a so restorative justice, it's restoring the skills and the capacity
2: yeah.
0: that yeah. they already have, but helping them to reclaim.
1: Yes, absolutely. Yeah,
2: the, you mentioned the word dignity. I, mean, I think about the dignity that it brings to somebody who has always been dependent on others to provide mm. and now they've produced this cabbage for themselves mm. um,
1: that's justice it is justice and you take it one step further that pastor is now teaching others yes uh how to grow their own food yes. and so it just keeps going uh, And so when we're willing to get involved and say, I'm going to start off by helping you, a relief, you need help, but I'm going to invest in your development. And then that person invests in Mm. the development of somebody Mm. else. Mm. To me, that is justice. That's the heart of God, where we truly see God's character coming to the Mm. fore.
2: Mm. Yeah, I mean, that speaks into... The, the fourth area of uh, doing justice which is doing what we can to create an environment where people can thrive and achieve their full potential. Um, often we consider people who are victims of injustice who are living in circumstances that are unjust of being unable, unskilled and do not have what it takes to um, move from that situation of injustice, we can help to create an environment. We can help them to take the first step. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, can, we can create a pathway for those people to start moving so that injustice becomes something that they leave behind them instead of something that they are drowning in. in. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm.
1: absolutely.
2: Mm. Well? so Yeah, go ahead.
1: <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm thinking about this word uh, justice. Um, and, you know, in, in religious circles, we love the word righteousness. And we've embraced it. It's become uh, almost like our word. Mm-hmm. We, we, we are the righteousness of God in Christ by Christ Jesus. And we, mm-hmm. uh, we, righteousness is a wonderful Christian mm-hmm. word. But justice oftentimes is left to the lawyers or to uh, some ministry that is involved in justice. It's not part of our everyday everyday life. Mm -hmm. And we've been looking at how it does become a part of our everyday life. Mm. But uh, what really intrigued me when I was looking into what is justice, it's connected to righteousness. If um, I care for the vulnerable, as we've been talking about, that's justice. But to care for the vulnerable is righteous. Mm. The two are the same thing. And I'm not a Hebrew scholar, but the word for justice is sadaqah, and I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly. The word for righteous is sadaqah. Justice and righteousness is exactly the same thing. It's the same coin. And we cannot separate one from the other. Mm. Justice... And righteousness is the same thing. So when we embrace righteousness, Mm. which is what we saw right in the beginning, all these people saying, I'll sacrifice all these things to be in right standing with God, to be righteous. And God's going, do justice, because no matter how much I sacrifice to be righteous, if I'm not doing justice, I'm missing Mm. half of Mm. what righteousness is. Righteousness includes justice, and justice includes righteousness. Yep,
2: that's
0: great. Mm. So justice is uh, doing the right thing, and when we, like God, who is right, he's pure, but it's also then being in right relationship. Mm. And like you just said, you you can't separate the two, right relationship with each other and right relationship with God and justice, and doing right, they're all the same conversation.
1: Exactly. And so as Christians, if we want to embrace righteousness, we have to embrace justice as well.
0: Hmm. Well, I think that's a good place to land on uh, Micah 6.8, do justice. We uh, would love to hear your thoughts. So you heard us share for a few minutes on justice and what that means. But uh, email us at uh, podcast at orchardafrica.org and share your thoughts, share your comments, share your stories. And also we would love to uh, spread the word on this podcast and bring others into the conversation. And you can do that by following our podcast and then rating it um, on whatever platform that uh, you listen to it on. So with that, thanks for listening in. Thanks for being a part of the podcast community. And we look forward to the next conversation when we uh, look at... Uh, Love, mercy. Bye-bye,
2: everyone. Bye-bye.